This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production by Faithful Life Ministries where we, again, where we address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We seek to bring you truth despite what the popular movements or networks of the day teach or really just those – whoever you are that's doing something unbiblical, stop it. Okay, uh, We are on Patreon. So if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash matter of theology and become a subscriber. We have a variety of plans on there and uh, we are beginning to ramp up recording some teachings. I just uploaded an introduction on the Ordo Salutis. And so I'm going to try weekly to be posting uh, a teaching or a video on the Ordo Salutis until I reach glorification. That is the teaching of glorification, not my own glorification. <clears throat> but if you would like Good to clarification donate, there, man. <laughs> just just, just got to make Lord sure. willing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, it, you know, if those teachings just automatically stop, uh, I'll, I probably you know would happened. have reached my glorification. That's right. But if yeah, you would you like know what to. what happened at that point. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to donate to us, Faithful Life Ministries is a registered 501c3 nonprofit ministry, so your donation will be tax deductible. Uh, reach, out for, reach out to us for how you can do that. But on today's episode, we are going to be discussing the precious, wonderful, yet often overlooked doctrine of adoption. The doctrine of adoption, it does belong in the order of salvation, and it belongs right between justification and sanctification. It actually has a leg in both of those. Uh, this doctrine, um, well, justification is foundational to our salvation. It is a legal declaration from the judge where we are actually found to be not guilty of our right. sin— and we are declared righteous on the basis of Christ's work alone through the means of faith alone. Amen. But while justification is a legal declaration, adoption displays our relational position as sons and daughters of God. And in our previous episode, we looked at 
just what it meant or who were the actual children of God. So if you want a little bit of foundation to this episode, go back uh, and listen to that one and you'll see, you know, why we actually did this episode. That episode, this episode is, is from that episode. But uh, justification legally declared to be righteous and we are adopted as children of God and the spirit of God which comes to indwell us, moves us in our sanctification. So now you see where justification leads to adoption, which leads to our sanctification. That's why adoption is placed in between justification and sanctification. But what makes adoption so beautiful is Ephesians 1.5. So I'm going to read that real quick. <clears throat> he, God, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. So th- there's... Wait, can, a- we, can we read verse 6 too? To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Amen. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so there's much that can be said Sorry. about these two verses, and I'm sure we will actually get into some of that. But think of this. I re- as we're going through this episode talking about the doctrine of adoption, I really want you to think about this. God, he takes rebel sinners. He takes his enemies, those who hate him. He sends his son, who is perfect, to pay the penalty for their sin, declares them to be righteous, and then he brings them into his home and counts them as his own children, wherein they receive all the rights and privileges that pertain to a natural born child. Amen, brother. Amen. You know, the, the wonderful doctrine of adoption is something, as Drew said, that is rarely spoken of in today's realm of theological conversation, yet it is by far one of the sweetest and yet convicting doctrines in all of Christianity. Um, yeah, and, and it's something that we see wrought in all and all throughout the scriptures. Uh, uh, John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right and in the authorized version, it says the power uh, to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, Drew already read Ephesians 1.5, but I think it, it, it bears repeating he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And these are just two of the countless passages found in the scriptures that speak to this wonderful, but yet wonderfully neglected doctrine in the Ordo Salutis. You know, one of the big misconceptions uh, when it comes to studying the Puritans is that this was, this was a topic that they rarely discussed, and this could not be further from the truth. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that I'm kind of going to center 
you know, my notes and the things that I, I took some time studying um, is the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Westminster Divines in the 17th century. They, they dedicated, obviously, an entire chapter to, uh, to this. Um, it's chapter 12. So I'm going to read it, uh, and then we're going to talk about it, and then I just want to dive into some of the, the key things about this doctrine. And, and yes, this doctrine does overlap. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, it overlaps, but we're going we're gonna to see where it overlaps. So, um, so this is, uh, this is uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 12. It says this, quote, All those who are justified, God vouchsafes in and for his only son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put upon them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption and inherit and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. Man, you know, that, close quote, that is almost word for word what the superior 1689 says. <laughs> what? What 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 does the superior sixteen eighty nine say? I mean, it, it it's it, it is really almost word for word. It's just the oh, English okay. is cleaned up a little bit. Gotcha. Well, but, yeah, was, I have I have a, the modern version of that that yeah. I almost read, but I yeah. wanted to read it in the actual. Yeah. The so old you English. were reading that, and I was reading along with the sixteen eighty nine, and it was literally nice. Now, a couple of things about this chapter in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, first. Uh, there wasn't a lot at the time this was written in the 17th century. There wasn't a lot of theological works or reflections concerning the doctrine of adoption. Uh, two, you know, along those lines, um, this was just a straightforward statement of truth and fact. Um, that there was nothing to refute when it came to this subject. There was there was no error to correct when it came to the doctrine of adoption. The great objection and um, and changes and error came in the 19th century when uh, liberal theology sp spread throughout Europe and and to the United States. And we this is where we saw uh, people do what's called comparative religion. Um, uh, many many li liberal theologians like Adolf von Herrick, uh, von Harnack, excuse me, you know, proposed a universal fatherhood and in turn a universal brotherhood, all promoting, of course, what we talked about in our last episode that we are all God's children, um, which of course we we know according to the scriptures not to be true. Um, and another reason this is so short, as far as the confession goes is there's a good amount of overlap when it comes to this doctrine and the doctrine of the assurance of salvation. Um, so so th th there's a lot that the Westminster Divines dealt with, uh, and of course the 1689 and the Pelgic Confession also deals with when it comes to this. But here's, here's, here's my first key point, is we must remember that adoption has always been part of the plans of God and one of the reasons that God sent his son. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is key to remember. And so a, a cross-reference for that is Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this, 
But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, verse 5, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Um, so another key point to remember is adoption is found and founded by Christ in Christ alone and is for Christ, according to, as Ephesians 1.5 says, the kind intention of his will. Um, so, um, you know, when, when it comes to addressing those in the 19th century and today who ascribe to the thought that we are a universal brotherhood, we must remember this. We are all a part of a universal neighborhood, not a universal brotherhood. The brotherhood only applies to those who are in Christ. God is the creator of all, but not the father of all. That's right. So I'm going to pause right there, brother. What you, what you got? Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned that there's, that there's a lot of over, overlap with the doctrine of adoption and uh, the assurance of salvation. But really, there's also overlap, not just with the assurance of salvation, or we, we could say, uh, as far as the doctrine of grace is concerned, the preservation of the saints. Mm. But this also ties in directly uh, with the doctrine of election, that which Absolutely. took place in eternity past. Because as I read from right. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us to adoption. This was something that was done beforehand the plan of adoption for each one of his sons and daughters was prepared beforehand i mean even the apostle paul in this very chapter says uh uh predestined to salvation before the foundation of the world yep that's where i was going i was flipping to flipping through to ephesians 1 mm -hmm. 4 it's verse 4 um but really yeah. you know while it while we have uh overlap with the assurance of salvation and that we also see that in the benefits that come from adoption and we see in the overlap and the connection with the doctrine of election that which took place in eternity past what we have in adoption is we have the entire culmination of salvation meeting in one doctrine because you cannot be adopted unless all the other uh, points of salvation are met. And they yeah, all absolutely meet right. and converge at adoption. Whereas, as I said in our introduction, from adoption then flows our sanctification because now Correct. the Spirit Correct. indwells us. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely Well, it, it, it all flows out of the context of adoption. And and a, a little a, another episode you can go back and listen to that we've done um, is the the episode on the Ordo Salutis. Um, you know, I remember one of the things that Nick said is is as far as the timing of all of the, uh, the 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 new birth justification adoption, it all happens. I mean, mm -hmm. in, in in a split second, all of it, all of it. Um, and, and of course, there are many debates uh, as far as theologians go, as far as uh, what what comes exactly first and foremost. And mm -hmm. um, but the overall overall it's the same. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us in Him to be adopted as sons and daughters of the King. Um, and and one of the ways that we see that in this in the scriptures, I mean, uh, just as far as practical examples, is when Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. You know, look at who He's teaching to pray. He's not teaching the world. He's not teaching um, really the Pharisees even. He's the disciples asked him, how, teach us how to pray. 
And he taught them to pray this way, Matthew 6, 9, pray then in this way, our Father, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And what's amazing about this is that Jesus Christ himself is the only one who could address the Father as Father from a, um, what's that word, uh, filial, fil, filial, fil, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? I F I, no I'll spell it, F-I-L-I-A-L, filial. Oh, filial. Yeah, it means a filial. filial. Yeah, 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 exactly. From a filial sense. Pause there. Sorry about that. And as Thomas Watson, uh, the great Puritan Thomas Watson points out in the body of divinity, uh, he says that God, you know, that God would adopt any of us when, and I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing, um, when he had a son of his own is, is a wondrous thought and a wondrous love. You know, typically, and, and you mentioned it, you kind of kind of mentioned it before is, you know, one who adopts because they either don't have a child of their own or want more children because they're not able to have them. That, that's why they adopt. Um, you know, but here we see uh, that, that we are adopted when God the Father already has the perfect son. Um, and he, he adopts us in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Um, you know, the, the father uh, himself refers to his only begotten son in this way uh, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, and we've talked about this uh, in our study of Hebrews. Uh, he, and he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, and, ha and he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Um, you know, Thomas Watson goes, I'm going to quote here, goes on to say this quote. Now, since God had a son of his own and such a son, how wonderful God's love is in adopting us. We needed a father, but he did not need sons, period, close quote. Mm. And we take this for granted. We really do. I, I mean, I, and I'm not accusing anybody of doing this. I'm talking to myself. Uh, first, what an extraordinary privilege it is that we can address the creator of heaven and on earth, the one who, as Psalm 33 says, breathes stars into existence as our, our Abba Father, our precious Father, Galatians 3, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time came, God sent, his, uh, sent forth his son, I already read this earlier, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive him as adoption as sons. Verse 6, because you are sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And I mean, have we truly or do we truly stop and consider our condition prior to our salvation and adoption? Deformed, depraved, crooked, ill-favored, to say the least, but one of the reasons that we adopt and, and that you, you know, one of the reasons that Paul uses this language of adoption is because it's something that happened a lot in that time. But we adopt um, or, or, you know, one of the reasons that we're, we're moved to adopt and these things that really tug at our heartstrings uh, when it comes to adoption is, is the person or child that we're looking to adopt is considered to be fair or beautiful or adorable. You know, we were the enemies of God. And Drew said this earlier, mortal enemies, polluted by sin, our best attempts at righteousness were and are 
like filthy rags. We are diseased and distraught in the weight and the effects of our sin. Um, and in that condition that we are in is, is, is awful before regeneration, justification, ado- and, and adoption into the kingdom. And, and, and this makes this, this makes it, it makes heaven wonder and the angels long for the love of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord, that we received. What amazing, amazing love we see in the doctrine of adoptions. So I'm going to pause there again, man. What you got? No, I mean, I think that's, that's good. I think what, what we should do now is we should move into the benefits, the benefits of adoption. Unless you've got another. I do. Okay. The benefits are coming. The the benefits are coming. (laughs) Well, because there was a lot of things that you said in there that I was like, there's touch on a benefit there, touch on a benefit there. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, there are so many, so many, um, um, you know, uh, Hebrews two ten says that for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to the perfect author of their salvation through sufferings. You know, we, we, it isn't just one or two. Uh, yes. Wide is the, is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Um, but there are many mortal enemies that, that hate God and are running from God um, and whom God is angry with uh, whom he has, he has redeemed. Um, you know, so, so a couple of things I wanted to get into before the benefits is what, you know, what does adoption look like? They're just a, just a couple of things real quick. The first is this, it's for people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Uh, you know, Acts chapter 10 says that opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who, uh, who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And then next we see it's for men and women, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 18, and I will be a father to you and you shall be my son. You, you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, to touch on that too, yeah. when Paul uses the term uh, in, in Ephesians 1, 5 as sons, that, that word and or phrase and sons um, or as sons actually incorporates both male and female. Yeah. Yeah. And in the NAS, it's, it's translated as, as, as shall be sons and daughters, um, which is awesome. Way to go. Are you sure? Because I was just, I was just reading from the NAS. I'm looking right at second Corinthians 618. Oh, I'm looking at, I'm talking about Ephesians one, bro. Ah, see, yeah. I haven't second Corinthians, uh, Galatians three. Um, you know, here, here's something else. I was just talking to a coworker about this just a few minutes ago. Um, uh, so I'll read the verse and then we'll talk about it. Galatians 3, 27 through 29. For all you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female for you all are, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are, you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just talking about the issue of race. Uh, and in fact, in the fact that there is no such thing as race, according to biblical standards, it is, there are different ethnicities, but not different races. And even in that Christ tears down that wall. Those of us who are adopted in from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, we are all in Christ and Christ is in us. Uh, yeah. Let's but, touch on that, that word heirs real quick, uh, because 
an heir is someone who receives an inheritance once uh, the father passes on, right? He then receives the inheritance. Now, in the Old Testament, what would happen is if you had multiple sons, the older son received a double portion. And then whatever was left was divided up amongst the rest of the, of the children. But what's glorious about this doctrine through the covenant of grace is that God doesn't give one person a double portion. He doesn't give a half of an inheritance, but mm -hmm. he actually has abundance to give That's right. without limit to all who That's are right. declared children of God. That's right. And uh, Ephesians 1 talks about that. First Peter also also speaks to that. Um, and, and again, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, that Ephesians 1 5. I keep coming back to that, that according to the kind intention uh, of 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 his will. You know, Thomas Watson also said that adoption is a mercy spun out of the bowels of free grace. That's right. Um, and that's I was wondering if you were going to quote that. <laughs> oh, you, absolutely. Because you yeah. read a lot of Watson. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. He's he's becoming my favorite Puritan uh, very, very quickly. Um, so, so a couple of, so now diving into some of the benefits and some of the things that we see um, as adopted children, you know, when we're adopted into the family of God, by God, we are called by him and given the father's name, you know, Revelation, Revelation 3.12 says, I will write on him my name of my God. Um, Jeremiah 14.9, uh, we, we see that uh, we are called by his name. Um, and then again, I read it already, you know, 2 Corinthians uh, 6.18, um, you know, you shall be sons and daughters to me and I will be a father unto you. We, we carry the name of, uh, of Christ. And so not only um, does he give us that name, um, not only, and this is something that, that just blew me away in thinking about this. You know, when we're adopted by God through Christ, for Christ, and in Christ, He anoints us. He makes us saints. We carry His name, but we are, we, He has given us a new nature and He sanctifies us. So when we as human beings adopt someone, you know, we give them our name and the inheritance that we would live them, leave for them, but we cannot give them our nature. We can't do that. Um, when we, by the Holy Spirit of God, are given not only a new name, his name, but we're given a new nature, a nature that is now attuned to the ordinances and the truths found in the word. You know, Second Peter 1.4 says, For by these he, grant, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So Thomas Watson says he turns the wolf into a lamb. And, and Jesus lays this out for Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You know, and we have, we have to remember this, that, that we are not born sons of God. And a key point to remember is that adoption doesn't come by blood, but by grace alone. How many godly parents have absolutely horrid children? Um, you know, we, we are born in the flesh and flesh begets flesh. An apple seed when planted into the ground can only produce apples, not watermelons. 
You know, we see in John 3, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Unbelievers, we are told in Ephesians 2, are dead in trespasses and sins. You know, Thomas Watson said again, God has no dead children. And not being children, if we're not children, we have no right to inherit. So as hard as it is for us to swallow, we must remember there are two groups of people in the world sons and daughters of the Most High, and those who are of their father, the devil. A great exchange happens when we're born again and adopted. An entire alteration of our whole person, our whole inner man. We are given a new heart. We have a fresh start that is from God alone. A new heart to love God, know God, believe God, praise God, and obey God. Yeah, the, the idea awesome. of, an, of taking on a name is important, especially in the time when scripture was written, because you weren't just a, a name just wasn't how someone recognized you. It was how they recognized where you came from. That's why when, when people talk about Jesus and they say the son of David, right? Or mm. well, what, what are they describing? They're saying he is a descendant from the line of David, King David. Mm -hmm. This actually ties in to Jesus's kingship because he is of the line of David, of the house of David. So a name is very important. So when we take on the name of Christ or the name of God or of child of God, it's one, it's not something to play around with, yeah. but, but two, it identifies us with our father. That That's is right. God. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. And, and, and he gives us, gives us the ability to obey. That's, that's actually, you know, you want to talk about one of the first evidences of adoption is your obedience. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I posted this quote on Twitter um, a couple days ago, a, a quote. Uh, so when God says, drink not in sin's enchanted cup, an adopted child says, my heavenly father has commanded me and I dare not drink. A gracious soul not only believes God's promise, but he obeys it, period, close quote. And that, yeah, again, is Thomas Watson. Um, and and we, we're, we hear this a lot in Scripture when it comes to what we hear. You know, we hear childlike faith. Um, Luke 18, 17 says, Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is like a child who will not enter at all. Um, you know, I don't think that was the right verse, actually, that I wrote down there, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> um you know, but we're, we're told in, in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Our, our new heart and our new nature um, and being adopted, bearing the name of Christ, uh, bearing the name of God, the creator, uh, the Holy Trinity, um, and, and all that that entails uh, gives us the ability to do um, to do that, to obey where once we were sons of disobedience, we were walking in accordance to the pattern of this world. We were on the broad road that leads to destruction, but have been placed on the narrow path that leads to life. Um, and, and what regulates this? And it, it, it's scripture. Mm -hmm. God's, his all sufficient, infallible and completely inerrant word alone. Sola scriptura, anything else, anything else God considers to be strange fire. Yeah. Yeah. When we, uh, be, the Holy Spirit now as adopted children leads us to obey the father. And when we obey, 
we this this is really our sanctification but it's showing those our family likeness again this is connected back to the name that we take on mm-hmm. which also brings about another benefit which is we are we are now taken from our our earthly family we'll say the the family that is adam that is in adam and we are placed in god's family so now we are no more as uh ephesians 2 would say children of wrath right we're not sons of adam any longer we are now sons of god and because we are sons of god we take on we have taken on his name the spirit now leads us into living in the likeness of that family absolutely um romans you know paul's magnum opus uh, the book of romans uh romans 8 you know says this for all who are being led by the spirit of god these are sons of god for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out abba father is that mm-hmm. familiar the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of god and if children heirs also heirs to god and fellow heirs with christ if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him that's right that's right yeah, man. And that's that's actually another another benefit as well is that that spirit of adoption, right. the Holy Spirit that comes into us, and uh, we are now partakers of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's right, and um, we and we need the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We we ourselves will will screw it up. <laughs> right. This is what now in Puritan theology, written by Joel Beakey, uh, this is what he writes of Jeremiah Burroughs on this very topic. This spirit, Burroughs told us, enlightens our mind, sanctifies our heart, makes God makes God's wisdom and will known to us, guides us to eternal life, yes, works the entire work of salvation in us, and seals it to us unto the day of redemption. Mm. Amen. Amen. And I mean, you know, we, we see that brought about by the faith that he gives us, the faith alone. Um, you know, um, all, Augustine said that all acceptable works proceed from faith. Um, you know, from the root of our faith in God that has been given is where our obedience and our works come from. Um, you know, and we see that the writer of Hebrews references back to, to Genesis, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 4, by faith Abel offer to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained through the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, uh, though he is dead, he still speaks. So another question that we, you know, that we ask when it comes to our obedience and works is this, what and who is the chief end of our obedience and, and the lives that we've been given? Is it his glory and his glory alone? Or, or are we seeking our own glory? Are we, um, are, are we wanting to, as uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus rebuked uh, those who would, in Matthew 6, uh, give to the poor and stand there and, and, and tout about it, and he called them hypocrites in the synagogues and the streets. Um, you know, uh, Thomas Watson says this, good works should shine but not blaze. True obedience looks to make much of Christ as our elder brother and God the Father as our Father. Uh, and we will always fall and until we are face to face with him. Our faith has become our, 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 our sight. 
uh, we will miss at this. We will fall flat on our faces. But the goal is to quote Mel Gibson in The Patriot to aim small, miss small. Uh, so, so we 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 aim for the glory of God in all that we do, and not to steal any of that glory. And if that is our goal. Uh, you know, then our desire will be to obey not just one or two of the commands that we're okay with, but but our desire will be that we have an equal amount of fervor and zeal for all the commands of God, remembering what Second Timothy 3 says, that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Yep. Now, one benefit that people may not believe is actually a benefit. Don't say chastisement, not yet. <laughs> oh, man. That's what I was going to, man. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. There's more. Oh, There's no, more. Man. All right. There's more. There's more. But it's really cool. We have not exchanged notes, and we have the same things written down. You know what's awful. really funny is as we start talking about these benefits, you start because there's there's a number of benefits, but you see how they're all interconnected to Correct. one another. That's right. That's right. Uh, one more thing about all of the commandments, Psalm 119.6, then I shall not be ashamed when I look on all your commandments. Um, you know, and even when we can't obey all his commandments, because inevitably, like I said, not on this side of heaven, we still love and approve of every command found in his word. Psalm 119.97 says, oh, how I love your law. Um, you know, uh, Paul, and again, back to Romans, for Romans 7, for what... For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. Um, and, and when we fail, of course we will, we, we look to and rest upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ and, and his and the Spirit's constant intercession for us on our behalf as adopted children. That's right. a couple cross-references you can write down, John 17, 17, and Romans 6, 14. Yeah, um, yeah so there, yeah. In, in talking about that, especially w when we look at the law, right, because one of one of the other benefits, since I'm not allowed to get into the, what I wanted to... We're almost there. ...is the benefit of Christian liberty. Now, Ooh. this doesn't mean just doing whatever we want to do. In fact, right. this is actually freedom from bondage or freedom from uh, the curse that comes with being under the law. Now, the law is a taskmaster. It's, it's like a tutor. It's a school teacher. Uh, the law is holy. We, yeah. we, we always want to remember that the law That's is right. holy. But the law, when we look at the law, we see hell as our as what is waiting for us, which that's then the only outcome waiting. That's for us. the only outcome yeah. because we can't keep the law. And what it does is it drives us then to Christ. And once we are in Christ as adopted sons and daughters of God, we are free. We are liberated from this bondage. That is, right. that is the law. But, right. but even being liberated from that bondage, because we can't in ourselves keep the law, now, because of the Spirit in us, we have the ability to live out the law. That's right. And it actually does it to the glory of God because Christ has already lived it out. So even when we fail in places of the law, mm -hmm. God still looks at us, and he doesn't count it against us. In fact, he sees Christ and Christ's completed work of the law. That's right.
Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, another, dude, I, I could not agree anymore uh, with that. You know, cursed is everyone, Galatians, cursed is everyone who uh, doesn't obey the law. And, uh, and he became a curse for us. That's right. That's what I was, that's what yep. I was just going to say. Yep. 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 So another, another test as far as, you know, uh, am I, am I adopted? Right. We examine ourselves. We talked about that last time. Do we love his presence? Do we, do we rejoice in be with being in his presence? You know, when a child loves his father, we you know, that, that child simply cannot wait to be in the presence of his father. You know, I think about, and, and this is God's grace. Uh, I think about my son and I think about when I come home from work or, um, was gone all literally all day yesterday. And, um, and I opened the door and he always is just like daddy and just, I mean, full bore, full sprint running to me. Can't wait to give me a hug. You know, can this be said of us when, when we are in the presence of God, yeah, can it I, be said of us that, that, that we absolutely cannot wait to spend time with him in his word, that we cannot wait to spend time with him in prayer. Um, and then I just wanted to read Psalm 63 and then I, I please, God, I want you to say what you're mm -hmm. going to say. Don't lose it. Um, Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus, I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. It's one through five. What were you going to say, man? Yeah. So what, when you were talking about, uh, you know, the son can't not being able to wait to see the father, no matter the, the age you are, we'll say your spiritual age, we'll say whether you're a mature Christian or you are a babe in Christ. Yeah. When you hear the father's voice, mm. you stop. And just as you were talking about you and your son and your son's what, four now? Yeah. I, I mean, I have a three month old now and no matter if I'm going to my in-laws to go get them and they're feeding them, when I walk in the door and he hears my voice, it's like every time he stops mm -hmm. and he looks to find me. Yep. That should be the same way as the believer who is a child of God. When we hear the voice of God, it should stop us and we should seek it out. Amen. That's right. Another, another test that you can, we can ask ourselves um, is, is do, we, do we love his children? And even those who are made in his image, who are not his children, uh, do we love them? Uh, you know, First Peter 2.17 says, uh, says uh, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Do we, do we as, as we're supposed to do, according to Galatians uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and I just, just preached a sermon on this uh, that you can find online. Uh, brethren, uh, if any of you is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, uh, restore such a one in, in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you, do, that you will not be tempted. 
bear one another's burdens and thereby, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. And, and when I preached that sermon, I went through a whole list of passages of scripture that talk about the love that we should have for one another. And I mean, Jesus said what he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? You love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We just dealt with that. Um, when we talked about a child loving to be in the presence of his father. Um, but then also you love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and are we carrying each other's burdens? Um, in that way? Um, or, or is it something that we're so concerned with ourselves and what we're getting out of it um, that we don't do that? Uh, is it that we're so lazy and we just don't think we have time? I mean, whatever the case may be, we are called and commanded um, to love the brotherhood, to bear one another's burdens, to, to enjoy gathering together. Um, uh, you know, we see in Acts 2 that that the, the, the apostles were devoted to, to, the, to, to the scriptures, but then gathered as much as possible. They could not wait to be in the presence of their brothers and sisters as well. Um, so as we're adopted into that family, is that how we feel? Um, or, or is it is it a burden to us? So that's, that's what you right. got, man? I mean, and you know, if that's not how you're viewing it, then you might receive chastening from the father. Yeah, you might. And, and here in a minute, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we talked, we've talked about all these benefits, right? We've talked about these tests, um, te testing yourself to, to see, you know, are, are you adopted? And we talked about how wonderful, um, this, this doctrine of adoption is. And, and we, we have to remember, um, we have, th there are so many privileges and promises of being an adopted child of God. Mm -hmm. And again, to go back to Thomas Watson, he reminds us, he says this quote, there is not a promise in the Bible, but a believer may say, this is mine. And we have to claim that as second Corinthians chapter one, starting in verse 20, for as many as, as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he, verse 21, who establishes us with you in Christ and anoints us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. You know, the, the Puritans called the promises of God, they said that it's the brightest pearl in his crown so drew one well, of the no, okay hold on before uh -oh, we get uh -oh, uh -oh. I, i'm gonna throw another one out there okay okay when we are adopted by god there is uh, a comforting that he gives us absolutely there is a specific type of love that a father gives a child mm. and he bestows that upon us. He bestows that upon us and Jesus models that for us. Go ahead. Sorry. That's I'm right. Sorry. No, um, I mean, I just wanted to, I wanted to throw that out there because I don't think we had talked about that, that, you know, trials we go through, um, there is a comforting that the father gives us because we are his children, just like mm -hmm. an earthly father will comfort his child when he's hurting or he's sad. There is that same comforting that comes from our heavenly father when we are adopted as his children. 
Yeah, Second Corinthians 1, uh, starting in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm-hmm. And we see, we, we, we see that. We, we see him uh, model that for us. Absolutely right, man. That's a good word, brother. Yep. All right. So, now. one yeah, one, one promise that we want to discuss that Drew's been chomping at the bit to to discuss here, um, th- that is, and one, and I wrote down the very thing that you said earlier, uh, that you would, you know, you wouldn't think that this is a promise or a benefit of an adopted child of God, but that is his discipline or or being chastened by him, and it's it's because he loves us that he disciplines us you know hebrews 12 6 says that for those whom the lord loves he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives uh, you know god loves us enough to chasten us when we need it that there's there's purpose in this john 15 2 every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes it so that it may, may bear more fruit so we wanted to kind of camp out there for a second um well, let me continue in yeah. Hebrews 12, um, because that the portion you quoted comes from Psalm 119. So, so the yep. writer of the Hebrews is quoting the Psalms, but then he goes in to this is his kind of commentary on Psalm 119. And that's verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure. Mm-hmm. God deals with you as with sons. That's right. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So the fact that you are being disciplined by the father demonstrates it is an assurance that you are his child. That's right. That's right. And we have to know this. We have to understand and know in the depths of our soul that God's hand on those and then specifically, we're talking about those who have who have been adopted into the kingdom, adopted into the house of God. That His hand is never vengeful or vindictive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if we grew up with an earthly father who was vengeful or, or or vindictive or wicked, we have to rest in this truth. And this is something that I heard years ago, um, and and that I've held on to, um, and and. Uh, just because, you know, th- th- there were times growing up that I did not run to my dad when he came home. I did not want to just run into his arms and 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 have that embrace because I was afraid. Um, and I won't get into the details of that. Um, this is not about that. Uh, God has redeemed that and renewed that. Um, but we have to rest in this truth. And I heard this and it and it and it's still, it's still, I, I still hold on to this even now as a father. God is not the image of our earthly father. God is the perfection of our earthly father. Um, he's not the image of what we may have had. He is the perfection and, and what, we, what we should have in a father. And, and that goes for those of us, like I said, who are fathers as well. God is the perfection of how we should be with our own children. Um, and, and it's important for us to realize and remember the difference between corrective wrath, mm-hmm. the corrective wrath of God, and the punitive wrath of God. 
Right. Those of us who who have that new heart, that new life, we've this, the heart of stone, as Ezekiel says, has been replaced with a heart of flesh. That we've been given the new nature, we're able to follow, we're able to obey. We have to understand that the punitive wrath of God has been paid for by Jesus on the cross. That's right. That's that's actually what I just wrote down um, to actually oh, nice. say that is is because uh, you know when God disciplines us. It's not as it's not for a payment of sin. Right. It's uh, because because Christ paid for that sin. Amen. It's it's the correction in order to bring us back to our sanctification. That's absolutely right. You know, God's discipline. And I wrote this down and I wrote key next to it in, in all capital letters. <laughs> God's discipline is always and please let him have let, let he who has ears to hear. Let him hear as Dr. Stephen Lawson likes to say. God's discipline is always a mercy, and it should never be thought of as God abandoning or, or, or final, like we said, punitive wrath that has been, um, that, that has been, has been shown to us because that has been paid for at the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. God disciplines. God disciplines because He loves you. He wants what what's best for you. Ultimately, He wants you to be conformed to the image of our elder brother Jesus, um, and that's why He does that. Selah, Selah. Just drink that in. Oh man, that's that's a heavy one to drink in. Um, and that actually leads into the last point I had. You know, one of the the last promises that I wanted to focus on uh, from being an adopted child of God, and something that that I, I don't think is meditated on by me enough. Uh, and something that I probably, I mean, I, you could speak to this as well, that, that we don't see meditated on enough in today's realm of the church. And, and, and that's the peace with God that we have by being adopted children. I mean, do we really stop to think about that? Do we really stop to, to take in the words of Romans 5, 1 and 2? It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. You know, we've already discussed Ephesians 2 multiple times in this episode, you know, uh, but Ephesians 2 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them. We too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. We were damned because of our sin. And now we flip back to Romans five, where it says that we have peace with God through the works of our elder brother and savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we really stop to think about the, the fact that there is that, you know, when you think about peace treaties in today's world, you think about how, how feeble they are, how frail they are, how they can just be ignored. Um, you know, that they can just be, you know, thrown out the window like, like trash, um, but when it comes to God, and remember all the promises of God, find their yes in Jesus Christ, and then through them we say amen, we have eternal peace with God. No conflict will ever erupt 
unless it unless we sin and need to be correctively disciplined but from a punitive standpoint no eternal conflict will ever erupt between us and the one who can kill both the body and the soul in hell mm-hmm. we have peace with god as adopted children of god that's right and that un- understanding this peace because you have to know what you need peace from yeah in order for it to even make sense that that phrase peace with god what does that mean well you have to know what you need peace from in order for that to even make sense but what we can see in our salvation is are we glad are we rejoicing to have salvation because we're not going just because we're not going to go to hell or are we rejoicing to have salvation because we have a peace with God that now we actually love our father and remember when you said about things intertwining Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have that peace with God. Do we want that peace with God because because we're afraid of the consequences? Right. Because we want the 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 His hand, His hand of discipline from a punitive standpoint to be stayed, uh, and 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 we we just don't we just want our get out of hell free card. Right. But we don't want God. Right. We don't want to go to hell, but we also don't want to die to ourselves right we don't want to go to hell but we don't we don't we can't we we can't wait to be in the presence of god we can't wait to be amongst believers we can't wait to get into the word we can't wait to 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 be in prayer and and pour out our hearts and our souls with with all prayer and supplication and request and let that peace that surpasses all understanding overtake us you know dr rc sproul the late dr rc sproul papa sproul said this he said quote Peace is the chief legacy of Jesus to believers, period, close quote. You know, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I do not get, I, I'm sorry, let me, let me start over. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Man. And, and, and we did nothing absolutely nothing to deserve it that's right absolutely nothing to do to deserve it and, and i just kind of stop and think you know when i when we started I, I said that the doctrine of adoption was was one of these um one of the sweetest but also the most convicting doctrines out there and and that is so true i mean just and just recently i'm talking to someone in my family who i'm very 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 close with and uh am hearing these horror stories of um, you know, moments that she's had with pastors and, and she's played music in the church for years upon, I mean, 80 plus years. And that's uh, my grandmother. I don't know why I'm being all like secretive, but uh, you know, I mean, she, she thought, I mean, just flat out, just had like a visceral reaction when she was telling a story about people that have told her that she, that she needed to be born again. And, um, and, and then the people that were telling her that she needed to be born again, of course, weren't living above reproach as they should have been. And so of course that painted a bad picture in her, in, in her mind. And, but, but I mean, I don't know this, but one of the things I'm praying for is an opportunity to share with her the doctrine of adoption and how sweet that is. Um, but do we represent that? Well, do we, in all that we do, you know, do we live out the words of Colossians three and whatever you do, 
whether in word or in deed, you do all in the name of God, the, uh, through Jesus Christ and God the Father, through him. Everything we do, Colossians 3.23, just a few verses later, says the same thing. Everything we do ought to be to the glory of God because of who he is and what he has done um, and, and as he draws us in. So a good question for all of us, all of us, is do we love him as our father? Do we adore him? Do we adore his word? Even the, even the parts in his word that we don't are, are, make us uncomfortable. And it's like, man, that just slapped me in the face. You know, or do we want to do we want to act as 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 certain enthusiasts do and 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 just throw the word out when and throw God's word, God's breathed out word, the mind of God out the window uh, because it, it it confronts us. You know, uh, or do we want to do we want to be conformed in the image of of Christ? So, yeah, that's right. So this was the doctrine of adoption. We hope that you learned a lot. We hope that it blessed you. We hope that it caused you to stop, to actually reevaluate why it is you say you love God or you say you love Christ. Yeah. Seek the scriptures. Amen. Look at these things. All, all the verses that have been read and referenced in this episode, take those and just get alone with them. Meditate on them. Yeah. And then say, can I truly apply this verse in my life? Mm. Or do, do I really need to get before my face, uh, get on my face before God? Because there's not, I, I don't feel that there's a true adoption taking place and I need God to do a work uh, with me. Mm. So, uh, I mean, that's one of those things you've really got to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't do it for you. We, we're not going to presume up, upon anyone. Right. Uh, absolutely. We, we absolutely don't, not. I mean, we don't know you like that. Um, but we just, because these are things, and just to be honest, these are things that we read and we apply them to ourselves. So yeah. we're not going to ask you to do something that we're not already doing as well, or that we haven't already done. So, uh, just to challenge you in that, but with that, that's the doctrine of adoption. There's your challenge, dude. We're gonna get out of here. Yes, we are, and that that could even be a part one. It could, because there was, there, yeah, there's a lot, so, so much. There's there. really, really everything that we said we could take and we could make it a forty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, thank you guys for listening and and for you know. Uh, I'll, I'll leave us with this, for these parting thoughts, you know, um, you know, ask your, ask yourselves these questions. You know, if you, those tests that we talked about, are you obedient? Do you love to obey God's word? Do you, uh, is it not just enough that you believe the promises, but you want to obey them? As Thomas Watson said, the, the, the brightest pearl on the King's crown of the word of God. Uh, do you love and adore his presence? Do you love and adore his church um, and, and, and his people? Um, and if, if you can't answer yes to those questions, and if you can't say definitively, yes, I've, I've been justified and I know, I know that I have, you know, am, am new in Christ, then we'll say this, behold today. Today yeah. is the day Amen. of salvation. Um, believe, you know, repent and believe on the, the, the finished work, the wonderful work, the gracious and merciful work of Jesus Christ on the cross. 
um, and put your hope in him. And, and to those who are, you know, believers in Christ, those who have been sanctified in, in, in truth and, and continue to grow and be sanctified in truth. And, you know, we need to ask ourselves the same question, you know, do we love his word? Have we, have we backslidden in any way? shape or form when it comes to those things about loving God's word and, and loving him and being in his presence. And do we carve out time for that during this, during this pandemic? Are we, are we filling our time with, with, with ultimately useless, useless things, or are we redeeming the time for the glory of God and the betterment of our own souls and the betterment of those around us? So a lot of good questions to ask ourselves, um, uh, to ask yourself as you're listening to this. And I rattled off a ton of scripture. Um, so grab a pen and a piece of paper, go back and listen to it, pause it, write those references down and um, may, may the Lord bless you through, you know, through the, the, the proclamation of his word. Amen. We're out of here. Bye. See you guys.